Hey everyone, and welcome to Be The Leader You Deserve podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Jill Handley. And I'm Laura Donnelly. And this is season five, episode 10, Engaging Every Family. Principle number five, engage the greater community. So last week we discussed principle number four, engaging every family in decision-making which requires a big shift in thinking, structures, and policies if you want to do it effectively. Now, when we say family engagement, what comes to mind for you? I want for you to think about that for a moment. Like, what visual do you get? When I say the word family engagement, I want you to close your eyes right now, and I want you to get a visual. You got it? Okay, well, my guess is that most of you probably have the images in your mind of families in your school, right? Like you probably went to two or three families that you think of most often. Of course you do, because who have we been talking about for the last four episodes? Our families, right? Um, But what most people, many people don't think about, um, however, when they're making plans for family engagement is the greater community at large. So you might be thinking, Engaging every family at my school is already a huge and seemingly overwhelming task. And now you want me to think about the community outside of my school building? So yeah, that's that's exactly what, who we want you to think about. <laughs> and here are a few of the reasons why. So um, Dr. Constantino on page 177 gives all of these considerations. And consideration one is approximately 75% of the U.S. public do not have school-aged children and have no contact with the nation's public schools. Consideration number two, the diverse mix of students served by public schools continues to grow and change. Consideration number three, resources to public schools are shrinking. Consideration four, the public's faith in public institutions and the government in general is fading, creating more skepticism. In consideration five, there is growing governmental support for alternatives to public education. So the goal of this principle is to cultivate partnerships outside of the school building so that the school and community mutually serve one another. Um, Creating partnerships means schools don't have to tackle all of the challenges alone. Um, And here in the city of Louisville, we are, I think, the sixth most segregated city um, in the United States. So there are definitely um, divides within our city, right? And we can't tackle all of the um, the re- repercussions of that alone as a school system. You know, another thing that this makes me think about as I was listening is um, this last election, I think it was the last election, our superintendent, Dr. Marty Polio, who's a super bold and got superintendent of the year for our state, um, was looking for a tax increase. And so that was a big bone of contingency um, on the ballot because, you know, like Laura said, consideration one, when you think about 75% of the city, if they don't have school-aged children and they see no value and why are you trying to raise my property taxes if I don't have kids? Well, this is the exact reason why we have to build partnerships so that people understand that, you know, schools are raising the future and that's not just the school's responsibility exactly so three questions to ask yourself how do you presently engage the community in your classroom school or district how does that engagement translate into student learning 
And then how can you enhance community engagement to support learning for all students? So let's talk about some of the advantages of community schools. Um, they provide access to additional resources and opportunities for students and families. Um, it, it builds capacity and social, social within families to better understand how they can receive support services. So like academic and non-academic um, from community resources. For example, we have lots of um, community resources that serve food, um, which is a benefit to our families within those areas. Yeah, and I think when we think about, um, you know, there are so many benefits of partnering with the community. Um, but I think because a lot of the work that our family ambassador has started engaging in this year um, has to do with that whole adage of that, you know, teach a man to fish. So, you know, we, we can send, um, you know, we, we are fortunate in that we have some of our families who benefit from blessings in a backpack, right? So that, um, if you're not familiar with that, then what we're able to do is every other week we're able to send home some, some non-perishable items for, you know, keep kids um, eating on the weekend. And so that we are certainly so blessed to do that. The thing about it is, is that, so what happens in the summertime when they're not in school? Or what right. happens if the funding dries up for that particular um, engagement event? Well, you know, we, we want to be able to empower, you've heard us talk about empowering and, and uh, two episodes ago, empowering our families to understand what community resources are out there so they can learn to utilize these without us, if you will. <clears throat> so you, you might be wondering, okay, so I hear you talking about, you know, partnering with communities. How, how, where do I even start, right? So one of the ways that Dr. Constantino um, suggests, and this is kind of, we actually have gone through this a couple years ago and it was a really cool opportunity. Um, it's called community asset mapping. So you kind of start by identifying, um, and we, we did the same thing. We had that we have, um, we're so thankful because we have a huge, um, and being in a huge district, you have a lot of resources um, at your disposal. And so our demographics department, um, research and, and demographics, they sent us kind of like our community map where all of our kids lived. And so we were able to really look for concentrations of where large concentrations of our kiddos lived that weren't right at the school. And then that way we were able to then start to identify, okay, so a huge concentration of kiddos live here. Oh, look, there's a community center within walking distance of that. Um, so so that's that's the first start is that you're going to kind of get a map of, of the area. Um, now, if for some reason you don't have um, a great department like we have, um, so you don't can't necessarily pinpoint, you know, where every single child lives with the demographic data that we had, what you can still do is look to see, okay, what community resources are present in your in, in your area that will support the needs of families. And so some of those um, might include, you know, you heard me talk about community centers, but other are like health and human service organizations, public and private organizations, you know, cultural groups like the library, museums, um, different foundations, faith-based organizations. We've got several churches that donate to us year after year of supplies 
backpacks, things like that, um, service clubs, uh, social and fraternal groups. I know, um, I think it was, was it the Kiwanis Club, Laura, that donated bikes for our perfect attendance? Is that who it was a couple of years ago? Uh, it was the Masonic Lodge. That's right, the Masonic Lodge. Um, so, you know, local universities, uh, recreation programs. Once again, you heard me talk about community centers, local businesses, small and large. Um, and so you, you want to look at your map and kind of see what's in your area. You know, you want to look what's directly in your immediate area, but then also thinking about some bigger corporations like, you know, where we live, UPS is a big, uh, a big donor, you know, Humana, um, Yum Brands, just some, some bigger corporate sponsors, you know, they don't have to be necessarily right in your area. So think outside of your area as well, but begin to think about how each of these community agencies can help support the barriers and challenges of your families. Um, and then begin to think about a plan for building partnerships. Um, and remember, no relationship is successful if it's one-sided. <laughs> we can't be expected to go out into the, into the community with the attitude of, hey, hi, I'm Jill Hanley from Kenwood Elementary and I need this for our kids. Want to give it to us? <laughs> Nobody's going to say yes to that. Um, we, so we have our plan when we're thinking about this, our plan must um, help community partners see the mutual benefits for the community at large when partnerships are, um, are formed with our with schools. So as you're developing your plan, you want to think about hmm, as, I'm, as I'm doing this community outreach, what's that going to look like? Um, you know, we've, we've added a new position to our, uh, another new position to our um, school this year. Um, our Compassionate Schools teacher, um, she's heavily invested doing a lot of what our parent ambassador is doing. She's kind of like becoming, working as a com our community ambassador. So she's kind of developing those partnerships with the communities um, and, and, you know, thinking about, well, what do we need to take? Some type of presentation, kind of some similar verbiage so that we're saying the same thing. So as you're making that plan, make sure you're including that as well. In Dr. Constantino's book um, on page 182, um, when you get the book, he kind of outlines an activity for you to engage in when you start this process of, of community asset mapping. So on an episode later in the season, we're going to have our family ambassador. And I, we, I know we talk about her a lot as well. Um, Amy McDonald join us and discuss the steps she's taken with community partners and benefits we, we are already seeing. Um, so according to Price in, on, in 2008, there are a number of challenges with which community engagement can help, such as closing the gap of what students know and need to know, dropping out, student disengagement, and the gap in higher education attainment. So if we have the research to prove that community engagement can help close achievement and access gaps, why are more schools not creating collective impact plans with community organizations? Great question. Well, according to Dr. Constantino, it's because most teachers and school leaders are trained to see themselves as individual leaders, either of their classroom or of their school. Um, and really, he says more emphasis on family and community engagement has to be placed in teacher and principal prep. You know, I think back to when I was in teacher prep, when I was in principal prep, it, well, teacher prep, I don't know that I think there was any mention of family engagement, to be quite honest with you. Um, and even principal prep, I think, you know, we might talk a little bit about the PTA, SBDM, but beyond that, I don't know that a tremendous amount of time and effort was given into um, 
how much of your time should be spent investing in the community. So, so, um, so I definitely agree with him that that's something that, that, that higher ed needs to consider is, is investing in that a little bit more into their preparation programs. You know, I'd also argue that time and resources are a huge factor as well. I mean, as a principal, I know how important community engagement is. However, with true story, with all the other duties, responsibilities, requirements that are on my plate, I know I don't always have the time to, to commit to this, me personally, and I know other leaders, our listeners don't either. I mean, heck, it's a full-time job. I mean, if you think about doing this and doing it effectively, it's a full-time job, right? <laughs> Which is why we invested our financial resources to this position. You've heard us talk about over and over, you have to put your money where your mouth is. You can have these great plans, but then if your follow-through, meaning your budgetary decisions don't support that, then really it's just a whole lot of lip service, right? Well, you know, it's interesting because as administrators and, and like as a counselor um, for the Ask a National model, I'm supposed to include community stakeholders in an advisory council. Um, but when you think about it, like, because we didn't ha- really have a focus on that in the prep program and we don't have a ton of time, that's a pretty huge undertaking, um, especially when you don't always understand the importance of community stakeholders and their input. No, you're exactly right. And you know, when you're talking about that, I'm thinking about like my old, the old ISLIC standards for leaders who've been around for a while. And now the PSEL standards, they include community engagement as well. So it's like the standards are there recognizing the importance of it. However, when we're given kind of our to-do list, if you will, of demands of what's expected, that that falls short every single time. Absolutely. Um, so, so Sanders and Harvey in 2002, they identify four factors that need to be present to build successful community partnerships. And I thought these were really interesting because these were kind of like, in my opinion, the non-negotiables that you need to have before you start venturing into this. The first one is the school's commitment to learning. Okay, hopefully we all have that one, right? <laughs> Check. Number two, and this is a big one, um, the principal support and vision for community involvement. And again, you know, I, I think it um, beyond the lip service, because I, I don't think there's a principal out there that would say, oh no, I don't want any community involvement for my school. Um, however, when you think about what does that mean? What if it falls in my lap, then it might mean, yeah, I think it's important. But when I look at prioritizing the, re- the requirements of the job, like my district mandate, state mandates, federal mandates of what I have to do. I mean, think about all the things that we do within a day's time um, to really give this a focused energies. Um, you know, I think that if your principal support and for the vision, it goes beyond, yeah, that's a good idea. All right, number three was the school's um, receptivity and openness to community involvement. And I know we, we, I feel like we say this every time. And I just said that I'm sure there's not a principal out there who doesn't want community involvement. I think I'm going to take that back because, (laughs) because I I think about like, if, if uh, a lot of businesses showed up at every principal's doorstep and said, Hey, we want to help. I bet there are principals that would say like, eh, give me your card. I'll call you later. Yeah, I, would. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot like yeah. we talk about with, with teachers. 
if, if, if all of your family showed up and said, well, how can I help? Do you know what to do with them right away? And so that that's not a, not a willingness. That's just a, because I haven't had time to prioritize a plan. So, so there's that piece. And then of course, and Laura, you talk about this a lot, the school's willingness to engage in two-way communication. Um, not just we're sending it out to you, but really um, kind of getting that feedback as well, like we talked about in the last episode. And I honestly feel like some of that stems from, like a lot of times we feel like we're burning our candle at both ends. So like when we reach out, it's really a need that we have. And it's hard to have that reciprocal relationship, right? Yes, absolutely. Because nobody, nobody wants to be in a relationship where it's all taker, right? <laughs> but, but sometimes when we reach out to community stakeholders, that's exactly what we're doing. So what are some of the benefits of engaging the community? Um, improved attendance, supporting English language learners with tutoring or healthcare for families, um, adult education for immigrant families. Um, after school programs that directly support what's happening in the classroom versus generic tutoring. Um, community members gain better appreciation and understanding of the larger social, economic, and cultural demands placed on the school's students and families and become advocates for public school funding. Um, community partnerships provide positive role models and mentors for students, and it can lead to future employment for families and or students. Um, which is a huge deal. And then um, financial support for schools through um, donations perhaps. And <laughs> one of the things that we've been most fortunate to have donations with um, is a partnership with technology. And we have to give a shout out to um, EJ. I, I'm not even sure what EJ's last name is. I feel like he's kind of the mystery man for me. <laughs> I don't know that he wants to be named, to be honest yeah. with you. So we'll just leave it at EJ. We're not going to Yeah, just the most amazing donor ever. Um, he is the the man that helped us get to one-to-one iPads in our entire school. Um, I mean, and, and followed through with us. We had such a partnership that he even helped us transition from iPads to Chromebooks, one-to-one Chromebooks. Um, and and the tr- and here's 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 the true story about that because as we were talking about this, gosh, what was this five six years ago? Um, one of my mentors at the time um, was actually a principal at a local high school, um, and he eventually became our assistant superintendent. Um, and my boss at one time, uh, Brad Weston, um, he had something called the principal's cabinet, and so I was really curious about what that was, and so. You know, I think a lot of times community involvement happen, is more prevalent at the high school level um, with booster clubs and things like that. And so um, he was very instrumental and in just, I said, well, tell me more about what, what you do. And he says, you know, I just invite the community, different prominent community members in to talk about what's going on in the school and, you know, and let them know and, and how that impacts a lot of what's going on. And they have a lot of co-oping opportunities. And, you know, his goals were really for more opportunities for his school but he said you know it's amazing what once people learn about what you've got going on how they want to invest them in themselves and I was like oh I think I, I want to replicate this so lo and behold um, you know Laura and I get on this journey as well so this great <laughs> idea and true story that's kind of how this whole thing got started is because um, we had invited um, at that time our 
philanthropist donor. Um, he, we had invited him to sit on this. And at this point, he hadn't donated anything, right? Like, like we were just getting started. Um, we knew of him. He was interested in possibly um, looking to donate one, one card of iPads, right? That's what the start was. He was interested um, in, in, in to three schools. So we knew that he was interested. Uh, and maybe, uh, maybe by that time, he'd already committed to one one. I think I can't remember time kind of runs crazy with me but nevertheless um, invited him to sit on it along with like our local board member um, some local community um, business owners um, like the pastor from the church up the street like just a variety of different members and so really the first few um, the first few meetings that we had were really just our opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about our school you know what was going on um just so they knew and and you know laura and i were kind of like i hope this is going to be all right but they were very fascinated and asked some really yeah. great, some really great questions um and you know and so the next time we, we met again and then the first few were just kind of information sharing about our school and you know kind of bragging about how proud we were of all this and that and this and that and i remember it was about the third meeting to where we didn't have to ask for anything. They all started saying, so what do you need from us? Yeah. How can we help you? And so, you know, from that partnership on is when it really evolved into, I'm thinking about like the bikes that we got for, for perfect attendance that came from that. Our technology, it came from that. And here's the other thing that came from that, positive word of mouth about how amazing our school is started running like wildfire out into the community um yeah i mean I, i'm even thinking i remember we had like our state representative for that area um came yes. to several of our meetings and our board member that serves our area came to those meetings and it was like that that was such an impactful um that was such time well spent like oh. it's it's hard to even remember the start of that but it was so incredible well I, I was just sitting here thinking too another thing that came out of that we had a parent event and y'all this was the biggest parent event we've ever had like we had hundreds of families show up well guess what from our parent from the 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 principal's advisory council or, or the principal's cabinet that's what it was called um it was the, uh, the the Masonic Lodge. They came and they volunteered to help park cars. So it was it was just yes. um, so it was it was really kind of a giving back. And so you're probably wondering, well, how's that going, Jill? Yeah, it's not going. It's not going. So I'll just be honest. Like, so you're probably laughing like Laura just did. So you had this great thing going. Well, why'd you stop? Exactly what we've been talking about is that is as impactful as it was at that time with all the other systems and structures that we you know we had that we didn't quite have in place yet with everything else on my plate um that was just not something that i could sustain but when i'm reflecting like and live time now i'm like okay let me get that back up and going this year that that's well, gonna be that's gonna be a goal um is it, just to kind of revisit it because now i feel like it's something that could be sustainable and, and i will say that I think, you know, you've heard Laura and I, we, we, we go big or we go home, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's just who we are. But I think that um, a fault for both of us in our planning, we've done a better job with it now, but I think, and I'll just share this because this might be a, a downfall for lots of people, is planning for sustainability. We don't always do that. 
and our ideas are so big <laughs> they require a whole lot of a whole lot and it's I mean what's funny is that when we talk about all these things we've done in the past it's always been the two of us and we have like these really big grand <laughs> ideas and they're massive undertakings but it's just the two of us right um so no wonder it's not sustainable but also like i'm thinking about right now like just real talk live time right now covid rates are skyrocketing right like there's this potential for virtual learning there's all of these things and we've talked about this so much like right now it's kind of like the house is on fire so we can't really focus on watering the the plants in front of the house right so you may not be able to do this right this second and that's okay um before you do it think about that plan for sustainability so that when you get knee deep into it you're not like oh my gosh how am i ever going to keep this going um, well, and, and the other thing and first of all thank you for giving me that permission because you know me like i wanted yeah i wanted to do it, i want to do it yesterday um so thank yeah, you yeah we don't have time right this second but we'll get it back up and going <laughs> But the other thing that we're doing a better job of now, I mean, I think as leaders grow, is that how do our systems work interconnectedly? Because at that time, it was a lot like different plates spinning, but they weren't necessarily interconnected. So for me now, when I would revisit it, I would look at, okay, so what role would a principal's cabinet play in the bigger picture of family and community engagement? that would just be one piece of it and so um so that would so there would be that um i would think beyond just laura and i planning it um you know really looking out to it to involving other stakeholders and getting their voice and feedback on that um and you know the other thing too is that laura's right right now the house is on fire and as important (laughs) as that is we can't be watering the flowers and but, also I said that because I knew she was getting this grand plan and we're getting this back up and running like yesterday <laughs> and we don't have time for it. But <laughs> not you know, right now. <laughs> the, other, the other great thing too is that the flexibility because there was, you know, our, like I think our first meeting, like everybody showed up, right? And then maybe the second one, a few people couldn't make it. And by the third meeting, I mean, let's face it, these are middle of the day. These were working people. They couldn't always go. But I'm thinking now with just what we've, you know, moving forward with technology, Okay, so some of them are going to be on, and I mean, once we get through the pandemic as well, and we can actually be in person and close up, even offering the option for Zoom even beyond that, because I think that's just giving so much more flexibility uh, to involve additional stakeholders. So, man, I'm so glad we remembered that because that was a really great idea. It really was. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So speaking of great ideas, here are some other think abouts that we hope that in addition to what we just talked about that you take away from today's episode. First one I want you to reflect on is what role do community partnerships play in your school right now? And the answer might be they don't. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, And it may not be that they play any role this year, but that's just to think about. Next one, have the needs and benefits of two-way community partnerships been established? Because again, like we said, you can't just go out there with, with a door hanger saying like, hey, I was here, give me some money. Not gonna work. Um, the next one, have you created an asset map to define what needs your school has and what assets exist in the community to help support those needs? The next one, and this is one we need to be asking ourselves, do you have a team 
of more than two people <laughs> that is working with you to define your mission, vision, goals, and collective commitment to this work. And finally, what structural changes and or financial changes need to take place to create a sustainable, there's that word, sustainable community plan. Yeah, so, <laughs> so much goodness. Um, and, and something, as, it's interesting because community engagement often um, is the very last thing that we think about, but just in us revisiting that principal's cabinet, I'm just reminded of all of the ways that when we've really been intentional about involving the community, how impactful it's been for us. I mean, they, they show up. I, I say, often say is that people want to help. You just got to give them a reason. And, and so, and that's part of that planning of uh, the needs and benefits of that two-way communication um, or two-way community partnership. So, so yeah, it's good stuff. People, people want to do good. You just have to give them a reason. Absolutely. So if you enjoyed this episode, Engaging Every Family, principle number five, Engage the Greater Community, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. We would love to know what burning questions you have about family engagement and what you would like for us to, to discuss the rest of the season. So send us a message on Twitter or tag us with the ideas using the hashtag be the leader you deserve. Hey, I almost forgot. We've got to give a shout out to our friends oh, in Nigeria. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you remembered that. Yes. Thank you for listening. If this is your first episode or if you have not listened to the entire first, second, third, and fourth seasons, we would love to know what you think. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get an auto- to get automatic episode updates for our Be The Leader You Deserve. And don't forget to like, follow us, and follow us on t- uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter so that you get more frequent updates, quotes, and inspiration to carry you through the week. Jill and I also post on our personal accounts, so check those out as well. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on Apple Podcasts. They really help us out when it comes to the ranking of the show, and we make it a point to read every single one of the reviews that we get. Have a great week, and don't forget to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve, and what am I doing about it? Thank you.